Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, on March 21st, 1984, Pat Bowen officially became the owner of the Denver Broncos. And we just crossed that anniversary on Saturday. There's an interview that Ryan Green with CBS4 in Denver, if you don't follow him, you should. He had the first interview that Mr. B did with the local CBS affiliate in Denver. And it is remarkable to watch it because you you can hear and see his enthusiasm and his passion. And as I tweeted out, to know what happens and the success that would come to fruition when you watch that interview just makes it even more remarkable that the Broncos had the success that they did with him as the owner. And it's all because of him. And I said that it was arguably one of the most important, if not the the most important event in Broncos history. Yeah, no, I, uh, I would agree with you as far as events go in Broncos history with, without the, Without the purchase by Pat Bowen, you don't have the the same rate of success. I think. I mean, there was there was clearly a uh, a goal in his world that he wanted to accomplish. Uh, he wanted to create a world class organization that was going to compete on every level, and he was able to accomplish that goal. I think that that's something to uh, be admired in his ability to step into that role and turn the Denver Broncos into a uh, an organization that was desirable to go to and play with for a long time and is still to this day, I think, uh, a place that the players want to go and play. Uh, obviously, it goes through its ups and downs just like every institution does, but this one is is one where he, he definitely set in motion a, a sort of a, a plan that turned the Denver Broncos into a franchise that was almost a, a destination destination franchise in the NFL, which is great. And then on top of that, if you couple sort of that with the the person that he was within the NFL and the way that he pushed the NFL to bigger TV deals and the, the way that the NFL has been shaped by Pat Bowen, and we, we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum uh, to the point where uh, you have to be cognizant of the fact that the NFL as you know it today the NFL network and the different TV deals with NBC and and CBS and Fox and all of those sort of those moves those are all things that Pat Bowen was a huge part of and so going back all the way to 1984 and seeing him just becoming the owner of the Denver Broncos and the beginning of all of that this that's that's where all of this success starts is a really interesting way of looking at things. And and the historian in me, and I, I think the same thing for you, the person who loves history looks at that and having that hindsight is 2020 kind of view of things, you, you sort of gain an extra amount of respect 
because of the success that the Denver Broncos accomplished in his tenure as the owner. Uh, and and you kind of look at the franchise now and you, you, you almost cock your head and wonder, is this something that can continue without Mr. Bowen, right? Without Mr. B. And, and I'm sure we'll be getting into a lot of that stuff later on. You know, it's a long off season, so we'll be able to do that. But it, in retrospect right now, it's just very cool to sort of celebrate that anniversary of Pat Bowen, not just becoming the owner of the Denver Broncos, but becoming a a a huge part of the NFL sort of landscape and pushing the NFL to a certain level of success that I'm not sure anybody really believed they could accomplish at that time. That's what's so fascinating about it because there is uncertainty on that as to whether he would be able to come in and do what he wanted to do. I I mean, a 40-year-old lawyer who had never owned a sports franchise before, it, there's really no way to know what would come with him as the owner. And to see that excitement and passion, and you could see it, you could feel it, it's surreal to, to look back on that interview. And then, as you said, know what comes. It's... It's insane. And as I said, Ryan Green, follow him at Ryan CBS. It's um it, it's a great follow. He he does vlogs um for Broncos games and training camp. That's uh, they're very well done. They give you a, a sense of what it's like pregame, especially. So give him a follow at Ryan CBS four. Definitely, definitely. All right, so Let's bring it back to present day. Here we are. Uh, as we record this, it's the, uh, the the Sunday after the start of the uh, NFL New Year, right? So it's the that first Sunday after free agency began. And uh, the Broncos made some moves, right? They did some things in free agency. And, and we should definitely talk about sort of some of the, the big moves, some of the non-moves. I think that's another... Uh, important thing to look at some of the things that the Broncos haven't done yet uh, and and just kind of maybe take some time to examine some of the individual things that have taken place and, and then maybe talk about it as a whole. Uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe we should start with the, the news of Melvin Gordon first. That's the most recent, uh, most recent signing uh, Melvin. Well, I guess, no, it's not Nick Vanett, right? Nick Vanett is we're sitting here. It was the most recent signing, but. Uh... <laughs> and my response to that, as soon as I saw the news, as I told you before we started recording, I had the Connor McGovern gif. I was like, literally, who the F is that guy? Like, I follow the NFL. I didn't know who he was. But apparently it may spell the end of Jeff Hireman, which, who is that guy? Because uh, he is better known than Jake Butt, at least. Yeah, I, so so that's good. I mean, it, it's so just to kind of give you an idea of the Nick Vanett signing, it, it's a tight end. Uh, he has played for a couple different teams in the NFL. I think he was with Seattle last. Uh, the the story on him is that he's a good blocker. At least that's what I keep seeing on Twitter. And then, and, unless you talk to John Ledyard, who used to be with the Draft Network, and now he's with Pewter Report, and he says Nick Vanett is horrible. So, so at wherever that idea that he's a good blocker came from is, it may be a misnomer. I don't know because yeah. I'm still Connor McGregor. I don't know who the f the guy is. Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna pretend. It's funny to see sort of if you go on Twitter and you and you want to kind of go through different people's tweets about it. Some people are are tweeting about how good a blocker he is. Uh, I guess he's like six six and all you know two hundred and something pounds, like two hundred and a lot of pounds, not two hundred and a little pounds. 
And so I guess being big makes you a good blocker. I don't know. And then there are others who say uh, that, you know, if you look at his tape from college, he was at Ohio State. He was actually their their go-to tight end in the passing game. So, uh, you know, maybe that's who he is. I think what he really is is a journeyman tight end in the NFL who uh, is going to battle for a, a position on the Denver Broncos. And we will see how that plays out. But nobody in Denver really knows what they're getting because I don't think – Anybody knows what they're getting with Nick Vanett because when I said the name, half of the people listening went, wait, who? And that's okay. Yes. The response of <laughs> the Connor McGregor response of who the F is that guy? That's right. So I think that's the, okay. the, I, the thing that comes to mind though, is since he is so big, maybe that's an opportunity where you could maybe use him in goal line situations where you have him box out a linebacker or a cornerback or a safety and just throw it up to him and let him bring it down because he's not going to be the starting tight end. That's Noah Fant. And I think one thing that people can expect is Noah Fant is going to be utilized in this offense better than it was with Rich Scangarello. And he's going to have a second year now under his belt where he knows the NFL. He knows he, he has a basic understanding now and he knows Vic Fangio about what to do and how to do it. And depending on what they do in the draft by adding a speed receiver, hopefully like Henry Ruggs, that will free him over the middle too. So Nick Vanett, whoever he is, is not going to be the starting tight end. The the other big signing, this one actually is a big signing, is the Melvin Gordon signing. The Broncos signed running back Melvin Gordon, uh, formerly of the Los Angeles Chargers, to a big contract. Uh, for many, many millions of dollars, probably one that is uh, too big. $16 million, $13.5 million guaranteed over yeah. two years. It, it's a lot of money for a Melvin Gordon. You know, it's one of those things where when you look at it on the surface, a, a lot of people were unhappy with the amount of money that he got. Uh, but I, I think that one of the important ways to look at this is is what it actually does for the offense and, and what it could mean for Philip Lindsay. Uh, you know, I talked about this on Broncos Country Tonight with Ryan and Ben. Uh, and, and sort of the sentiment that I got to was that, uh, if this is something that's going to help keep Philip Lindsay, uh, healthier throughout the season where they can split, split time. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think that that's something that will, uh, benefit Lindsay and benefit the offense or, and this is the other possibility. It means that the Broncos are now, uh, going to be able to move on from Philip Lindsay in a year or two, uh, rather than bring him back. Ding, ding, ding. I think that's the one it is. And I, I get people aren't going to like that because Philip Lindsay is rightfully a fan favorite. Absolutely. But when you bring in a guy like Melvin Gordon, he's your bell cow back. He is going to be the guy who gets the majority of the reps, gets the majority of the carries, gets the majority of the, the action on third down as a passing uh, threat out of the backfield, which is what he is. He's a good, he's a good uh, bl- uh, pass blocker to help pick up blitzers to keep Drew Locke upright and free from being hit. And when you look at what running backs like Melvin Gordon have done in Pat Shermer's offense, you can look at Delvin Cook with the Minnesota Vikings and then Saquon Barkley with the Giants. That's kind of the baseline for what to expect from a running back in Pat Shermer's offense, and that's Melvin Gordon. He is on that order. If you look at his 2018 season, he was really, really good. The reason he wasn't as good in 2019 was because he held out. Regardless of what you think of Melvin Gordon and if – he's the guy you're not going to be good if you miss training camp in the first four games of any season 
it's going to be difficult for you to get back up to speed and play at the level you and your team and your coaches expect of you. But with all that, you're getting a guy now, when you look at his 2018 season, he's going to want to prove to the Chargers and to every other team that he is who he thinks he is. He is the guy he bet on himself when he held out in 2019. And the fact that he stayed in the division is huge. So he's going to be motivated. He's going to be driven. And he's going to want to prove that he is one of the best backs in football. When you weigh the positives and the negatives of this view of this move, the negative is obviously the money, but the money is the money. It's a $7 million cap hit, I believe, 7 or $9 million for, for the 2020 regular season. If he, if he is what the Broncos and Melvin Gordon expect and hope him to be, he's going to more than earn that paycheck. And I think where he's going to make the most benefit for this offense is the areas that the Broncos have struggled for like 30 years. Well, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but at least the last 10 on third down and in the goal line. Because he's he's able to shed blockers. He's able to run the ball in loaded boxes, which is what the Broncos have not been able to do. And he scores touchdowns, regardless of the percentage and and regardless of why you think he gets the touchdowns. He scores touchdowns. And the Broncos have not scored touchdowns for five years. So if he scores touchdowns, which is what Elway and Fangio have said since the season-ending news conference in January, that they need to be able to score points. They need to be able to score touchdowns. Melvin Gordon does that. And if he's able to do it at a clip that he's been able to do it throughout his career, he'll benefit the Broncos. And especially if he's able to look and play like the back that the Chargers had in 2018. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. The other thing it does is, in, in regards to Philip Lindsay, it, it gives the Broncos some leverage with him. And and I, I know that the the idea here is that it looks like the the Broncos could be moving on from Philip Lindsay, uh, just because uh, of the type of back that he is and, and the type of back that that Pat Shermer likes to have in his offense. And so I understand that point. The other thing that it does is it gives them some leverage in in contract negotiations with Lindsay. If they choose to try and bring him back, or if they don't, they you know it's also it's also uh, a safety blanket there. If if Philip Lindsay should choose to to go somewhere else, and uh, you know we are, I think you and I and and most people in Broncos country are big Philip Lindsay fans, right? We we love Philip Lindsay uh, as a uh, a running back for the Broncos, a former uh, running back for the University of Colorado uh, Buffaloes. Uh, as a, as a former uh, attendant of CU, now, I wouldn't really call myself a student, but I did go there on occasion, uh, and and also as someone who you know is proud of being from Colorado. There's there there it is, Scotty. I know you love it. Uh, those are things that we all sort of gravitate towards naturally, right? That story is an incredible story. Undrafted rookie, free agent signing from Colorado, who grew up in Colorado, who ends up with his favorite team as a kid growing up. Uh, we all want that to be a success story. Everybody does. With the number 30. With the, with the number 30, with the blessing of, of Terrell Davis, the greatest number 30 in Broncos history. So it is one of those things where we're rooting for Philip Lindsay to be a, a great Denver Bronco for the rest of his career. Do we think it's going to happen? 
that's kind of, you know, that's that's a difficult question to answer. And the Melvin Gordon signing makes things a little murkier there, uh, unfortunately. But also, if that's what gives the Broncos uh, a better path to success, then that's what they have to do. And, and we have to remember as fans that teams are going to make decisions based on what they, they think is going to make them successful. And if they always operate with the heart, you know, the fan's heart, in mind, then they're going to make mistakes and then they're going to get killed for those mistakes as well. So they've got to do what they think is best. And and Elway and Fangio and Pat Shermer obviously have an idea of what they want from this Melvin Gordon signing and a direction that they want the franchise to go. A lot of people out there are going to disagree with it, but this is the train is on the tracks. You're either going to get on or you're going to get off. And that's just kind of the way it goes there. Uh, The other, the other big move. and, And I think maybe, the one that is looked at as perhaps the best move uh, for in, as far as free agency goes is the trade for Jarrell Casey. And uh, that trade went down after we recorded our last show, so we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. But uh, an incredible trade from all uh, you know all perspectives. The, it just seems like Jarrell Casey was a perfect fit for the Broncos and exactly what they wanted, and they paid a pittance for him. They gave up almost nothing for him. And that, to me, is the mark of a really smart, calculated move by Elway and Vic Fangio. I I think it's absolutely criminal what John Elway had to give up to get one of the best defensive linemen in football. And Jarrell Casey is one of the best defensive linemen in football. There's no question about that. He's better than DJ Reader. And there are a lot of people upset that the Broncos didn't offer that $5 million, even though it really wasn't, to get D.J. Reader, who instead picked the Cincinnati Bengals, which I think says more about D.J. Reader than it does John Elway and the Broncos. But the fact that Elway was able to get Jarrell Casey from the Titans for a seventh-round pick is criminal. It is insane that you're able to get a guy like Jarrell Casey for a freaking seventh round pick. And I, I, I absolutely love the move because the one thing that has been clear with Vic Fangio, even when he was with the 49ers and then with the Chicago bears is he loves versatility. He loves players who are able to play multiple positions on the football field where they're not pigeonholed into where they play. Think of Kareem Jackson, who is a cornerback for the Houston Texans. Comes to comes to the Broncos and Vic Fangio's and Ed Donatel's system. He's a safety. And he was really good in 2019. Now you get a guy in Jarrell Casey who can play interior or he can play on the edge, which is going to make it that much more difficult to block this defensive line. And when he was asked by a reporter who covers the Tennessee Titans last year, Teron Devonport. Teron asked Jarrell Casey about playing inside and on the edge. And this is what Casey said. I believe at the end of the day, no matter where I line up, nobody can match up with me. Born that way. My mom taught me that way. Ever since I was a kid, I was that way. That's the kind of mindset you're now getting from one of the best defensive linemen in football who's gone to five Pro Bowls, you put him in the middle 
of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. This is exactly what the Broncos defense has missed since Malik Jackson left for Jacksonville after the Super Bowl. That's exactly what this defense needs, and that's the mindset this Broncos defense needs is the one that Casey provides. I Of all the moves, I love the Graham Glasgow signing. And there was a stat that the Broncos tweeted, even though it's not official. And it's it's rather humorous to see what these teams have to do until the moves are official, how they're going about it, like sources, like they have to they have to do that or they can get in trouble with the league. But the Broncos tweeted that Graham Glasgow didn't give up a sack in 2019. And that's with like three different quarterbacks playing behind him. So I love the Glasgow signing. But again, that's another versatile guy who's played left guard, center, and right guard. And then Drell Casey. And we haven't mentioned A.J. Boye. That trade was made official. The Broncos only gave up a fourth-round pick to Jacksonville to get him. Again, but we, another incredible move. But we touched on that on the last podcast. Yes, I But all of them speak to, as you mentioned, a very calculating off-season plan by Elway and Fangio. And it's getting players that Fangio wants that will thrive on this team and especially on defense. The the Jarrell Casey addition came out of nowhere, but it made people forget that they didn't get DJ Reader. And it shouldn't be anything but a wow move because Jarrell Casey is better than DJ Reader. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. And the other move, I don't it's it's not really a move, I guess it's more of a restructure that I think benefits the Broncos that we we need to touch on because it just recently happened as well is the restructuring of Bryce Callahan's contract. That's another thing that happens here uh, in the off season that that adjusts the salary cap a little bit but also uh, I think is a real smart play on Elway and Fangio's part because because Bryce Callahan's contract uh, was probably bigger than it needed to be for a player who uh, didn't even see the field in 2019. So uh, that adjustment, that that shift of his contract kind of uh, put him on more of a prove-it deal is, is kind of the way I look at it, was, was also a smart move on their part because now you're not paying a guy who hasn't done anything for you as much. Obviously, you'd like to see him do that with a guy like Juwan James, but the, his contract doesn't really uh, give the opportunity for that. But Bryce Callahan being on the, the kind of contract that could be restructured uh, and then was restructured is really uh, something that was smart on Elway's part. The thing that it does is it frees up the possibility of signing Prince of Mukamura to a one- or two-year deal. That that gives them the, cl- the cap flexibility to do that. And Mike Kliss tweeted on uh, Saturday night that at this point the Broncos may make a move here or there between now and whenever training camp starts. But for the most part, the big moves are done. And as he said, you can commence with your mock drafts now. Um, But I think this Callahan restructure allows them to go out and sign another veteran cornerback like a Prince of Mukamura, who is a guy that has been linked to the Broncos since he was released by the Bears. And the other name that's out there, and I, I touched on this on the last podcast, and I have no idea if this would even be something that the Broncos and Vic Fangio and Elway would look at. 
I I cannot get over the fact that Jadavian Clowney is still an unsigned free agent. I just don't understand it. I get that there are a lot of questions about his health, especially coming off of a, a core surgery, which is what he had this offseason, and you're not going to be able to do or sign anyone until they can get a physical, and you're not going to be able to have your doctors look at him until – what's what's going on with COVID-19 and the coronavirus is lifted and you're going to be able to get your doctors to look at him. But as Ian Rappaport has said repeatedly on NFL Network and on his Twitter machine, that he's working out in Houston. And you know Jadavian Clowney is going to be a workout freak. So it's just, that's what's interesting. If, you, if you're Elway and Fangio, do you at least reach out to Jadavian Clowney's representatives and, and see if there's interest in maybe doing a one-year prove-it deal to have him prove that he is who he thinks he is? Because he thought, obviously, that he was going to get the money like the Forrest Buckner got with the Colts. And it's just not there. Yeah, I, you know what? It, I, the problem is it's really not there for the Broncos right now either. Uh, I, I think John Elway and Vic Fangio – had they wanted to go that direction, they would have already done it. I, I just don't see, and, and I, I would love to see it. I actually think that that would be a, another sort of unfair move. Could you imagine having uh, Von Miller and Nick Ch- uh, Nick Chubb, Bradley Chubb, <laughs> Nick Chubb doesn't play defense, uh, and and then Jarrell Casey and 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 Jadavion Clown? I mean that there's that would be a pretty incredible lineup for the defensive front of the Denver Broncos. But I think the money that it would require to get Jadavion Clowney to sign with the Denver Broncos, even on a one-year prove-it deal, uh, is is more than they are going to either be willing to spend or will have in, in cap space as it is. And I also think that there are other teams out there that once they get the opportunity, they'll swoop in with something big for him. I, we've talked about him as a hype machine. Uh, there is a lot of hype around him, uh, deservedly so on some fronts and then maybe not deservedly so on some others. But I think someone will buy into the hype and they'll give him a big contract, at least a big one-year contract. And I don't think that that's Elway and Fangio at this point. I think that they've got guys on the, on the team that they are willing to run with. Draymond Jones comes to mind. Uh, Demarcus Walker back in what might be his more natural position uh, could have the opportunity to kind of uh, continue to grow in Fangio's defense, which I think that if you've got those guys in, in place and you've got Jarrell Casey and you've got uh, you know you've got your defensive front pretty well set. Mike Purcell is another name that uh, you've also got up there. there. There's no reason to think that they would have to go after a Jadavion Clowney. I, th- I think that's really where it's at. They don't have to, and so I don't think they will. And that's just more of a uh, John Elway and Vic Fangio not feeling like they have to make the splashy move at this point because they've they've just done a very good job of making the the necessary moves, the calculated moves to improve the defense. And and even in losing certain players, I would say that what you've seen is an improvement on defense rather than uh, a regression in any way. And the only thing that I would hope is that they would at least reach out and see if there's some mutual interest to working something out. Because the fact that he's still out there, you have to. Because you to get to get that kind of player on your defensive line. And I think we've seen through John Lynch and the 49ers how he's gone about building up his defensive line, how important that is. And it obviously didn't 
play out the way all of us in Broncos country had hoped in the Super Bowl. But I think that's kind of the mindset that I would hope that Elway and Fangio have, where if you can get that kind of versatile piece and that kind of talented piece, at least look into it. Whether or not you can work it out, at least do the legwork and the groundwork to see. Um, and as you, you mentioned, Mike Purcell, he was second-round tendered uh, by Elway and the Broncos, so he'll be back next year. Joe Jones and Devontae Bosby were brought back on one-year deals, so both of them will be back. And I, I like I like Bosby being back because before his scary neck injury, he yeah. was actually playing really well. Yeah, um, except for so, seeing that neck injury always makes me go, why Why come back? But I, I, I get why. You love the game, and it's where your money's made, but – that one was that was a scary that was a scary injury. I think most people in Broncos country would agree that was a scary injury. And the other big move that's happened in involving the Broncos since we last recorded is Chris Harris Jr. signed a contract with the Los Angeles Chargers. So Melvin Gordon comes from the Chargers to the Broncos. Chris Harris Jr. goes from the Broncos to the Chargers. And it's an it's an interesting move. Um because I, I we've 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 touched on this. It wasn't a great year for Chris Harris Jr. in 2019 as a cornerback for the Broncos, and a lot of people are sour on the way that he has handled his divorce from the Broncos. I it, it will be interesting to see how that plays out if and when we get back on the field and. We see what the Broncos offense does. I would hope that there is another receiver to add to this mix, like a Henry Ruggs, because you don't have to look too far to see how Chris Harris Jr. struggles against speed receivers. Yeah. You know what, though? I think his move to the Chargers was more about fit. Uh, You know, we've, we've talked about fit being important. I think he wanted to go to a place where he was going to be comfortable in the system. And that wasn't and a system that wasn't going to put him in the position to be the guy who has to cover the speed receiver. I don't think he he thrives in that position. And, and unfortunately for for him in Denver, uh, that's that's what Vic Fangio expected him to do. And uh, you know he wasn't comfortable with that. He talked a lot about being uncomfortable in the Vic Fangio system. Uh, he you know there was always that sort of those stories about him talking about how many more weeks he had left and those kinds of things. And, and I'm not going to dog on Chris Harris jr. I like Chris Harris jr. And I, I love the, the, the things that he did for Denver uh, when he was in his prime, but I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, while he will probably continue to be a serviceable cornerback for the rest of his career, which is, is probably the next what, three, four years. Uh, I don't believe he's going to be the same shutdown corner that he was uh, during sort of the, the Broncos playoff runs uh, and the Super Bowl run and maybe the year or two after that as well. So, uh, you know, father time wins. I say it all the time. That's my it's, it's one of my go-to expressions. Father time is undefeated. And, and Chris Harris Jr. is kind of up against it. The, the, the shift is now you get A.J. Boye, two years younger, on a deal that was pretty similar, I think, to the deal that the Broncos had offered Chris Harris Jr., prior to the end of the season, right? They, they offered Chris Harris Jr. a deal that was pretty close in money. It was something like, I think it was a three-year deal for 36. It was probably incentive-laden. I, I don't know the details of it specifically, but he turned it down, bet on himself, and uh, the, the deal he got with the Chargers is a lot less 
than what he would have gotten if he had just signed with the Broncos on that extension. But he didn't want to be in Denver anymore. I think it was pretty apparent that he didn't want to be in Denver anymore. And so Chris Harris Jr. has moved on. He's, he's going to be with the Chargers. We'll get to see him twice a year. And uh, I mean, I guess we can see him all we want because that's how the internet works. But the Broncos will see him twice a year. And I think that's to the Broncos' advantage at this point if he's the one who's going to have to cover whatever speed receiver they bring in, whether it be Henry Ruggs or C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy or, I don't know, you you pick the, the fast guy that they would put at wide receiver. The issue that I have with it is that Chris Harris Jr. wanted to be paid as one of the best cornerbacks in football, yet he was complaining about not being put in a position where he could be successful. If you're going to be and say you're one of the best cornerbacks in football, shouldn't you be able to do it anywhere you are on the field? Doesn't yeah. that kind of defeat the purpose of saying you're one of the best yep. cornerbacks in football? I totally agree And you're agree complaining with that. about not being in the situation to have success? Yeah, I, I think you're making a very good point. I think Chris Harris Jr. of two years ago, Chris Harris Jr. of 2015, 16, 17, 18 even, well, maybe not so much 18, but prior to that, was a guy who could who could thrive in that situation. He was the one of the top two or three cornerbacks in the NFL. I don't think that you'll get a lot of pushback on that particular statement. But over the course of the last two seasons, especially, 18 and 19 were years where you saw Chris Harris Jr.'s play decline a little bit. And I can see a scenario where he will find success in being shifted back to uh, being just a slot corner, now, I don't mean that in a in a you know, sort of a degrading way, but where he can focus on being the guy in the slot, which he's very good at, and he won't have to focus on covering the speed receiver, right? I mean, that's really I think his big gripe is having to cover a guy like Tyreek Hill, who just outruns him and then scores touchdowns, and not having the help over the top because that's how fast that guy is, and Chris Harris Jr. just can't keep up with those guys anymore. Uh, I, I don't know that he ever really could, but it wasn't so so big, uh, you know. So he wasn't so slow compared to them that it was so bad. And now he's he's lost a step. That's okay. That's that's what happens. But he was not going to fit in the Denver Broncos scheme because of that. And so, you know, I guess everybody sort of goes their separate ways. And this is the right move. Let me just say right now, Ring of Famer. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. I think Chris Harris Jr. is one of the best cornerbacks in, in Denver Broncos history and, and will certainly uh, find his way to Canton, in my opinion. That doesn't, I mean, I don't know, his years in Denver maybe uh, will will be overshadowed by some of the, maybe the, his, his later years, and that might be prevented. But he's definitely at least a ring of Famer, and he's a great Denver Bronco. He's a member of the no-fly zone, and and so we, we have a lot of respect for what he did with the Broncos. But it's just clear, sometimes... In fact, most of the time, guys need to move on. And this is one of those times when a guy needed to move on. And and not only do we see it with Chris Harris, but we're probably going to see it with Derek Wolf uh, as he moves on as well, more than likely. I don't think he's going to sign back with the Broncos after the moves that they've made. Shelby Harris has got a market for him. He's going to move on. Uh, another guy who we haven't talked about who just signed with Philadelphia, uh, he's going home, uh, is Will Parks. Uh, Will Parks, I think, is a fan favorite. I love Will Parks. Uh, I loved his effort on the field. I mean, you can think of some effort plays that play against Pittsburgh where he forced the fumble on the goal line on a play that should have been a touchdown was a huge play. Uh, and 
that right there to me is one of those things that the Broncos will miss that. And that's too bad that Will Parks didn't fit anywhere into this defense, but that's what happens, right? That's the game guys, guys move on more often than not. And so that's just what we're dealing with at this point. At the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is that I, I do think the Broncos are a better football team than they were when they started free agency and when they ended the 2019 regular season. I think this football team is better with the additions that they've been able to make with Graham Glasgow, with Melvin Gordon, with A.J. Boye, with Jarrell Casey. This team is better than it was at the end of the 2019 regular season. And now we start to see if they add any other veteran pieces, like I've said ad nauseum with Prince of Mukamura, there are some other veteran cornerbacks they could potentially target, but I think they need to get another depth cornerback. I think Prince Mukamura would be obviously an ideal sit, uh, an ideal situation fit since he knows Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and knows this system. And then the draft. It will be very interesting to see what the Broncos do now. And the one thing that stood out when we had Benjamin Albright on to preview free agency, when we got to the draft, he thought the ideal situation for the Broncos to trade up to get Henry Ruggs, and he has pounded the Henry Ruggs table for months, is number 11 with the Jets. And if that could actually happen with Adam Gase and John Elway and the the bitter pills that Adam Gase has with John Elway, just look at the onside kick in that debacle that I was at in Miami. You can go back and look, listen to our podcast from after that game once my <laughs> wife and I got back to the hotel it was a good one but that was a fun podcast it will be the draft is going to be very interesting to see what the Broncos do because now we kind of get get the sense of where they could be going I think they do go receiver in the first round I think they do go center interior line with the second round pick whether it's Caesar Ruiz or Cushenberry if they're there early in the second round maybe they trade back up into the first round if they don't feel that Either of them will be there, but I think that would be uh, a, a great fit for this offensive line since they need a center unless you're going to have Graham Glasgow shift from guard to center and you have Elijah Wilkinson uh, at right guard. So that will be interesting. So, I, But I, as it sits right now, as we record this podcast and the Broncos being done with the the, the the splashy big moves in free agency. I think the Broncos are a better football team than they were when they started free agency and when they ended the 2019 regular season. We're on to the draft. I mean, we're not going to go because nobody's going to go. It's just going to be in a little theater by themselves. But the NFL is now on to the draft, as are the Denver Broncos. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.